Welcome into NSN Daily alongside Chris Murray. I'm Alex Margulies, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group here on this Wednesday. And uh, cra crazy day yesterday, Chris. <laughs> uh, Nevada Sportsnet televising our first Nevada men's basketball game. And uh, it was a fun one. Had the, the post-game show and the pre-game mm -hmm. show and, and uh, whatnot with Ethan O'Brien. You guys were here late last night. Um, but great basketball game. Okay, I wouldn't say great. Uh, good win for the Nevada. Yeah. We'll break it down in a second. We'll have that here in this first segment. Uh, coming up later in the show, Corey Herzog, the star forward from Reno, 1868, named Player of the Year uh, by the squad. Career season, 19 goals. Uh, we'll have him in studio. Uh, the Murray's Mailbag, everyone, uh, I think people think you're like a, a musical expert because <laughs> they're always posing like the concert That's questions. That's true. That is true. Uh, so we'll get to hear what the Chris Murray <laughs> Music Festival would okay. look like. Sounds uh, good. What kind of vibe it's going to have. <laughs> Uh, and then some news on uh, Wolfpack wide receiver uh, Caleb Fossum. But let's dive right into this basketball game, Chris. And you know, Nevada taking on the Texas Arlington team. I thought they um, were going to be a pretty stiff challenge just on paper. And you look at the way that this team plays defense, uh, UTA, they're one of the top three-point defending mm -hmm. teams in the nation, 12th last year. Uh, they had given up 30% or less uh, when it comes to threes before this game. Um, Nevada, though, came in and... They got off to a hot start with Jalen Harris back into the game, and really, they didn't play great, but they shot really well from three, and that was a really pleasant surprise for me to see not only hitting shots, but the amount of guys that were able yeah. to contribute. Yeah, and I think Arlington's defense did give Nevada some issues early on. I think they were uh, a lot more aggressive. They were kind of picking up half court. They were forcing Nevada into some turnovers, but if the Wolfpack didn't turn the ball over, they were getting pretty quality shots, and, and the guards played well. I mean, Nevada now, with Jalen Harris back, has four really good guards. So if they can get three of those four guards to have a good game, they're going to be winning a lot of games this season. I mean, you look at Jazz Johnson, Nistre Zuzwa, and Jalen Harris, they scored 56 of Nevada's 80 points. That's a huge haul. So, uh, you know, it was a strong performance by them. Nevada's defense remains good. I, I kind of figured Nevada would have a better rebounding game because Arlington doesn't really play a center that much. Mm -hmm. um, so that was maybe a little bit disappointing. And then there was some foul trouble again. Uh, they're having issues defending without fouling right. against a Mavericks team that doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. So those are some, uh, you know, questions as they go into the USC game because that's a much taller team. How will they be able to rebound? Can they defend without fouling? They obviously, Nevada didn't shoot the free throw uh, very well. Um, but, you know, a win against a quality team. This is a team that's probably going to be in the hunt for 20 wins. So they'll certainly take it. And they're still trying to figure out Nevada exactly what they are now that they have all their pieces together. Yeah, UT had came in 2-0. Uh, they were picked to finish second in the Sun Belt Conference, maybe compete uh, for that title under second-year head coach uh, Chris Ogden. As we mentioned, though, we had the broadcast here on Nevada Sportsnet. And here were some of the highlights with myself and former Nevada and Bishop and O'Guard, Keith Fuch. Wolfpack still rolling on an 8-0 run. Johnson for three. Yes! Timeout on the floor by Chris Ogden. And here comes the crowd at Lower Event Center. Fans on their feet. It's like this. Look, they're overplaying him right now, and he takes the lane, and they can't get back in front of him, and it sets up a wide-open look. That speaks exactly to what Jazz does well. This Ray Zuzwa with his second three of the first half. Their outside miss from Warren, who has been off tonight. He is 0 for 5 from the field. Here's Lindsey Drew, and Drew has his first bucket. And Nevada's back on top, 42 to 41. Struggling tonight, 0 of 6 from the field. 0 of 4 from distance. And now Himes on the other end with a two-handed finish. Sam Griffin was 3 for 3. Can't get it from the corner. Harris does though. Caitlin Harris from downtown. His first triple. 
Juzois. Great decision by Robbie Robinson there. Jalen Harris coming back is big. And uh, this is a good win for Nevada. 7,500 strong on their feet here inside Lawler Event Center as Nevada topples. University of Texas at Arlington, 80 to 73. And head coach Steve Alford picks up career win 589. So the Wolfpack go to two and one on the year. Um, talk about some surprises in the game, but how about Keith Fuch? I thought he did a, did a great job as color commentator. He had never yeah. uh, been in that environment before, and uh, I thought he did a great job last night. As did I. I mean, a very smart guy, obviously. Uh, you know, played uh, basketball, played football at Nevada, so has a lot of experience in different things. But, yeah, for the first time going on a live broadcast, I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah, it was fun working with him. Ashley Jones, former Nevada guard uh, on the women's broadcast. So it's been fun getting those off and running. We'll have... Uh, six more Wolfpack, or seven more actually, Wolfpack broadcasts, uh, men's and women's uh, throughout the season. If you want to check out the schedule, go to NevadaWolfpack.com. Next women's game is on the 1st of December against uh, whoever they will find in the Nugget Classic. And then our next men's game, uh, the 4th of December against Santa Clara. Uh, let's go to Steve Alford and get his post-game thoughts as Nevada improves to a record of 2-1 and one on the season. I just thought we made some key plays, uh, and some of those key plays were defensively. This was a team, a very good rebounding team. We out-rebound them. They're undefeated. Their entire starting five is back from last year. So there's a lot of experience on this basketball team. And their next three games are us, Oregon, and Gonzaga. So uh, tough stretch for them. And we knew we were, I thought we got their best, best punch. And um, very happy our guys were able to get this win because we thought it was going to be, we thought it was going to be our most difficult team that matched up against to date. And I still think that. I think this was a hard team to play against. You know, I think what was exciting, Chris, is finally seeing the complete package of this Nevada basketball team with Jalen Harris and what he was able to do on the floor down the stretch, especially he was the guy, he was kind of the Caleb Martin. He mm -hmm. wanted the basketball and he was the guy that wanted to basically dictate how the end of the game was going. I think that really benefits the Wolfpack because you look at the way this shapes up uh, at the end of the game. I feel like they can go to Jalen Harris. They can go to Lindsey Drew. They can go to Jazz Johnson. There's weapons that I think that are confident to handle the pressure of the last four minutes of a basketball game, but it was good to see Jalen Harris. We've heard about it, yeah. but it was good to see him prove it. Yeah, I think the thing that Jalen Harris has that uh, only a couple players at Nevada have is he has the ability to go get his own shot or yep. get to the free throw line or make a play for somebody else. So I think that is super valuable when it comes down to crunch time because it gets harder to score when teams are really locked in defensively. I wouldn't say, uh, he would not say that he played uh, an outstanding game. I mean, he was six of 18 uh, shooting, but he gets to the free throw line 14 times and he makes 11 of those. I think we've kind of seen this even in the exhibition games is that he can maybe not play his best, but he always ends up with 20 to 25 points. Like all of a sudden, he's got 24 yeah, points. So, like, what's going to happen when he does have one of those yeah. great nights? Could score 40. Big, yeah, I, he, I would not be shocked if he had a 30, 35-point game mm -hmm. this season, like we saw from Lindsey Drew against Utah. And now the balance will be, how do you get everybody involved? Because, you know, Lindsey kind of took a back seat in yep. terms of aggressiveness with Jalen being back on the court. I think Lindsey still needs to go out there and try and score 15 points a game because he's more than capable of doing that and doing that efficiently. So, yeah, being able to blend all the pieces together I think will be important moving forward but it was good to see all of the puzzle pieces yeah. out there uh, and now Nevada has a little bit more strength where when you have Jalen Harris back in the fold maybe somebody can have an off night and it's not such a big deal because you can count on this guy to give you 20 every single game. I thought it was interesting when Nevada was basically switching back and forth almost every possession Drew would take it down the floor for a couple possessions then it was Jalen Harris and then Drew was playing off the ball so I think even just having that versatility of guys where if you're a defense and you're trying to plan to stop Nevada You've got two guys in particular that are very 
skilled at getting to the basket and being able to run that position, I think it just makes Nevada so much more difficult to slow down. Yeah, it's like last year's team. I mean, it's positionless basketball where you could have Jordan Caroline, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin, uh, Jazz Johnson all initiating the offense. And as a defense, that's very difficult because you don't know exactly how to set up. And then as a defense, maybe there's a specific matchup that Steve Alford likes where Jalen Harris is going to be the point guard because it works best. You know, so th there's a lot of versatility with this roster, maybe not quite as much as last year, but there are certainly multiple ball handlers uh, who can play the point guard position and can give a little breather to the other guys. And then you can run plays for a Jazz Johnson with him not having the ball in his hands. You can do pick and roll with three or four different guys uh, with different big men. And then, uh, you know, in this game, I think KJ Himes gave some really valuable yep. minutes. I mean, the, the stat sheet doesn't scream out to you, um, but Nevada, they really just need one or two bigs to step up every game. It doesn't have to be the same guy. And in this game, I thought KJ gave him some good minutes. Uh, you know, had a couple of blocks, had a couple of rebounds, uh, you know, set some good screens, a couple of nice passes. So, uh, you know, he was kind of the star of the front court for me in this one. I loved it in the first half, seeing so many different guys hit down shots from beyond the arc. Kane Milling, the freshman, mm -hmm. gets, gets a shot. Uh, Zane Meeks connects from the outside. You had Zuzwa. Uh, who was hitting shots, Jazz Johnson. And that made it really difficult uh, for UTA as Nevada was able to jump out uh, to that big lead and eventually close out and win the game. Uh, afterwards, Coach uh, Alford spoke, but also a couple of the players, Jazz Johnson, Jalen or or Harris, and uh, Nisway, Nisray Zuzwa. Here's what they had to say. It's a good team. Um, that's where I'm from, a couple minutes down the road. So I know a lot of those guys. I know the coaching staff, like, you know, a disciplined team. They go out and they play hard. And so for us to come out here and get that win, especially at home, like that's a, it's a good feeling. We try to focus on the things that we can do. Uh, Coach uh, preaches a lot about playing together, moving the ball, um, making a, a we passes, we plays, uh, playing for your teammates. So that's been one of the biggest things he's preached uh, throughout all these three games is just playing together and, like Jalen said, uh, being aggressive and going out there and attacking the basket and trying to get to the foul line. I think this was a confidence-boosting game for Nevada in particular because you look at the first half, Lindsey Drew didn't score a single point, mm -hmm. and he was so relied upon in those first two games as a scorer. But like I said, you had Zuzwa hitting down shots, Jazz hitting down shots, uh, Jalen Harris obviously hitting, uh, you know, filling up the stat sheet. So that, to me, I think has to give this team confidence that they can go out and, and I think they can beat teams a little bit different uh, each night, and they've shown that in their first three games. Yeah, and I think they're playing together. I mean, Nisray mentions we passes. They have 18 assists on 27 made baskets. Now, hitting so many threes, 10 threes really helps because you usually get an assist off a three, but uh, the team is playing together. I do think that they're hungry to play together and kind of prove that uh, Nevada's not going to take this huge step back, even though they lost some really talented players. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see the USC game. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a quality team, UT Arlington, but this is not USC. USC right. has the potential to get to a sweet 16. I mean, they have so much talent on on that roster and they have a ton of big guys three of their top four scorers go 6'9 6'11 and 6'10 each of them checking in at 225 pounds to 245 pounds so it's going to be a lot more similar to the Utah game and we don't know exactly what would have happened against Utah if Jalen Harris was healthy and he yeah, even said in the post-game true. press conference we owe the Pac-12 one so <laughs> if Nevada goes out and beats USC uh, you know I think fans will be really excited to see okay maybe this is a team that can actually go out and win the Mountain West because outside of Utah State uh, USC would be the best team in the Mountain West I think. Well before we go I want to talk about Nisrae Zuzwa uh, career night for him he had actually set a new career high in the first half alone he had 16 points six of eight from the field 
three of five from downtown. What impressed you the most about what Nisray was able to contribute? Uh, just the confidence because he didn't get off to a great start to the season. You're talking about him making five of his first 20 shots. He had played well in the exhibition season. Uh, and as you mentioned on the broadcast, I want to see him get to the basket. Yep. He was so pigeonholed as stand at the three-point line and you know play off the Martin Twins and Jordan Caroline and maybe we'll get you the ball. He can shoot for sure, but he's not a guy that is best served when he just stands at the three-point line. I think uh, you know you can put the ball on, in his hands and ask him to make plays. He doesn't have a turnover, so he's pretty reliable this season uh, that he's not going to make a big mistake. And if he's aggressive trying to get to the basket with that second group now coming in as a reserve, uh, you know, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, he to me is a big wild card because he has the talent to go out there and score you 15 to 20 points. He just hasn't shown that consistency at Nevada. Now that he's going to get 15 to 20 to 25 minutes a game, will he be more consistent? Will he be a guy you can count on and say, okay, we know what we're going to get off the bench from him every single game? I think he's also responding to the challenge that was given to him by Coach Alford, and that's also that he's got to play good defense. Mm -hmm. We saw him get a couple steals, some big rebounds going up against bigger competition. So I think he's kind of playing that full package that Coach Alford is really preaching to his entire team, and I, and I think that he has been able uh, to accomplish that so far this season. As you mentioned, next game, USC this Saturday, a late game, 8 o'clock at Lawler Event Center. Should be a good one as the Wolfpack take on the Trojans. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, Corey Herzog in studio. He was the Reno 1868 Player of the Year. We'll sit down with him next. All right, back here on NSN Daily, joined by Reno 1868's Corey Herzog and a special guest, daughter <laughs> Carter, joining uh -huh. us here today. She's got the Mickey Mouse dress going. Uh, you guys just went to the trampoline park, you were saying? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mom, that the hair is a mess. <laughs> Are you going to get in trouble? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we, last time you were on the show, you actually showed us you have a, a tattoo. Yep. Uh, of, of her, those are, so those are actually Carter's feet. Those are your yeah. Feet. She tries to stand on them still. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how, so what, what, the footprint, like what, what, how old is that? Is that like right away? Yeah, first footprint. Just wow, like within out. a couple days or? No, hours. Really? Yeah, oh, so wow. first one, yeah. Cool. Did you get the footprint tattoo? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> my my son's foot is like gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put, put it like on your back or something. <laughs> I, missed, I missed the window. <laughs> yeah. Corey, how much you enjoy just getting a little downtime? I mean, so the soccer season is so long and grueling mm -hmm. and, and the weather's been great here. Yeah, have you been enjoying just nice. kind of hanging out and spending time with Carter? Yeah, definitely. It's nice just to relax, maybe sleep in a little bit, you know. So just to hang out with her and get some family time is great. And you guys, uh, disappointing end of the season. But for mm -hmm. you, I mean, what an incredible uh, year this was. You were on the fence of even playing soccer, and you thought your career was over. You were talking about retirement, and then Ian Russell comes out and, and, and you guys connect and, and mm -hmm. now you come play for Reno and you scored 19 goals and have a career season. Could you have ever have imagined a year ago today that no. you would have been in this kind of a situation? No, definitely not. I mean, Ian uh, coaching and saved my career and um, I give all thanks to him for believing in me and it's just crazy how things, how things work <laughs> and everything. So um, thank you to him and it was a fun year, unfortunately, lost in playoffs. Uh, Carter's trying to steal yeah. Corey's hat. You can't see that on TV. She's uh. get a little rest, get a little restless. Yeah, she's gonna mess with that here. You wanna wear it? There you go. She gets the hat. Nice, good deal. What's happened in these playoffs? I mean, you got the four seed versus the six seed in one yeah. of the conference finals. The four seed versus the three in the other conference finals. Now two four seeds going for the title. Just, yeah, it's I mean, crazy. is that just playoff? You know, that's soccer? just playoffs and just, just. Yeah, it's just how it is. I mean, in playoffs, everybody's 0-0, so it doesn't matter about seeds after that, and any team could win. So it'll be a fun final to watch on Sunday. Unfortunately, we'll be watching it instead of playing, but um, it was it was a fun time, and this year was great. What's your favorite memory of the season? Because there were so many memorable me oh. moments and, and so, so many great games. 
just hanging out with the guys like in the locker room. I know soccer and winning games is that, but we had a fun locker room, so it was a lot of fun just hanging out. Like Fridays were really fun because it was more chill and the, all the guys were were hanging out at the stadium playing games and that. So Friday Fridays before home games were fun. It was funny the highlight of you scoring a goal popped up yeah. and she kind of started cheering. <laughs> she loves it. Does she love, does she yeah. love going to the games she watching? She likes the New Mexico goal where I celebrated with Damien for a penguin. Uh -huh. She loves that <laughs> celebration. That's what, the one she wants to watch. <laughs> what did this What did this year mean to your career and the fact that you know you were so close to just and basically putting soccer in the past and, and to have the kind of success? What did that mean to you just as a person and for your family? Oh, it was huge because um, as you know as we retire my mom, dad and my wife were the ones that said just let's just take one more chance so this year was all for them and I'm just happy that I could be able to score that many goals and I mean it sets up for next year everything's in the air and all that so it's a lot different offseason having more options and all that this year than last year. Yeah so how do you approach now your offseason uh, and, and kind of where are you at with that right now? Um, just everything's up in the air just waiting to hear from different stuff and everything like that so now just relax hang out with the family kind of get your mind off of everything and let everything just fall into place. You mentioned uh, Ian Russell, uh, Coach Russell today announces a finalist for USL Coach of the Year, top three. He's led this team to 51 wins over three seasons. Um, what has uh, Coach Russell meant to this program, and, and what do you think, uh, what would be your kind of pitch as to why he deserves to be Coach of the Year? I think, I mean, I think he's the most winningest coach in the three years in yep. USL, so that's one reason. Um, he's been in the playoffs all three years, which is very difficult. Um, and he's just a good style of attacking coach that, um, I mean, he saved my career. He sees, sees stuff in players that other coaches might not see, and that's what he brings out best in all of them. So I think he should win it, and um, I'm going to vote for him. So um, <laughs> make sure you vote for him and everything like that. But I think he deserves it, and um, hopefully he wins it. Pro, pro athletics obviously a very serious, serious deal, but what is becoming a father? How does that change how you look at your athletic career and uh, just sports in general when you do have a larger responsibility as a father? Yeah, I mean, um, it's just different because, I mean, you're not just playing for yourself. Like when I was younger, playing for myself and maybe my family, like mom, dad and that. Now I'm playing for my wife and my daughter and that. So every goal means so much more and every win means so much more because the more goals I score, the better off or the happier and everything is the next year and stuff like that. So... Um, every goal and every win is just for them, and it's just a good feeling. Counting down the days to next season, man. Uh, yeah. ho hope we get to see you in a Reno uniform sure. again next Thank year. You. Good Hopefully. luck this offseason. Yep. Thank you. All right, Corey. Thank you. Thanks Say for bye. stopping by. Reno 1868 Player of the Year, Corey Herzog, joining us here on NSN Daily. Thank you, too, for coming on the show. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. All right, mailbag time here on NSN Daily. Chris Murray diving in. How many uh, how many questions did you have to field this week? I think it was about 50. It wasn't too okay. bad. But what's, the, what's the record? Uh, I think probably like 65, 70. 65 or I usually 70. go by word count, so when I'm writing up the article, it tells me how many words. It's usually <laughs> around 5,000. If I've gone over 5,000, I'm putting too much work into it. Uh -huh. um, but, yeah, it's usually somewhere between three and 5,000. The higher up to 5,000, the uh, the more disappointed I am and in myself. Did, did Julian Delgadio <laughs> pester you again about this minister of culture no. garbage? He, he I don't think he submitted a question. Okay. He did uh, Top Robots last week. What was the Top Robot? Uh, I went with Terminator. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but he had some beef robot. with my my list as well. But uh, that's all right. Uh, that's a list for. Uh, we're looking forward to the eventual pop culture yes. quiz, uh, which I've I've created. Which yeah, <laughs> coming to a show near you, uh, we will put Julian to the pop yes. culture quiz, uh, and he will not know it's coming. <laughs> uh, so that will be good. All right, let's dive in, Chris. Uh, John Mackey, 1908. 
uh, talking about Nevada's football game over San Diego State. What single player moment from that win did you consider the most important? Seemed though there were a lot to choose from, but what was your top play? Yeah, I mean, it was the Elijah Cooks pass for me. I mean, the wide receiver pass for 50 yards gets Nevada down to the five-yard line. Elijah actually picked up a pass interference two plays later in the end zone. Nevada scores the game-winning touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown, and San Diego State doesn't come back. And it was actually fun because uh, during Monday's practice, I was watching them, and they were practicing that play. And a lot of times they'll do trick plays, and they just don't show up in the game because the opportunity doesn't present itself. But they had Romeo Dubs, who was a uh, high school quarterback, throwing the ball in that situation. And the throws, they weren't the greatest. Like, he was, like, trying to do, like, a jump throw for 50 yards. So then they put Elijah Cooks in. His throw was good. They stuck with Elijah. And, uh, you know, a brilliant play call. I mean, when you're an underdog, you have to do a couple of trick plays. Nevada was able to do it. And to me, uh, that was a huge, huge play because Nevada was not moving the ball very well. To get 50 yards in a chunk uh, in that game when both teams are struggling to move the ball was huge. I think it definitely sealed the game. Uh, if I had to pick a different play, I would say Daniel Brown's pick mm -hmm. because if San Diego State scores a touchdown right there, the game might just turn – upside down and Nevada may lose that game instead they stay in it uh, and they fight and give themselves the opportunity to make those plays down the stretch uh, so certainly again this was a huge win for Nevada football uh, and that will kind of segue into our next question here this is from one pack fan good friend of the program Vlad Pratt Brad Platt uh, thoughts on how Nevada finishes the season with two games remaining and if they reach seven wins which bowl game is likely a landing spot this will be the first of about 500 questions, I'm guessing, you're going to get on bowl games between yeah, now and December. Are, yeah, uh, Nevada <laughs> probably needs to win another game to get into a bowl, even yeah. though they're bowl eligible. Uh, the landscape will shake out more over the next couple of weeks, but the Mountain West is going to have more bowl eligible teams than slots. I'm guessing Nevada probably loses to Fresno State and beats UNLV, but I would not be shocked if they won both of those games or lost both of yeah. those games. The Mountain West is just so, so hard even. to predict right now. Yeah, it, I mean, a... Nevada team that wasn't really highly rated in the advanced metrics goes out and beats the top 25 team in the road. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked either way. I think Fresno is a little bit more of a difficult challenge because yeah. they're a more throwing oriented team. Their offense is a lot more. And playing explosive. on the road is still a challenge. Yeah, playing on the road they, is they a challenge. They got it done at San Diego State, but I mean, over the last couple of years, it's not been yeah. an area where they've excelled. Now, Fresno has lost three home games this yeah. year. So this is a very beatable Fresno team. Mm -hmm. And if they go out and they lose to San Diego State this Friday, then they might not be playing for all that much when Nevada comes into town. And we already know Tony Sanchez is on the super hot seat with UNLV, probably not making it through this year. So how motivated will UNLV be? Um, so I, I'm going to guess Nevada ends up going 7-5, and five, goes 4-4 four and four in conference play, and then probably goes to, you know, a, a, a New Mexico Bowl. I don't think they're going to be sent back. Uh, you know, to a bowl that they've been to recently. You think they'll get shipped out to a non-Mountain West bowl? There is the possibility there okay. because the Mountain West has, has five too many spots. teams eligible. Yeah, yeah, and if they're going to have eight teams eligible, uh -huh. then there's going to be a lot of horse trading. Now, one of the backup tie-ins is the Cheez It Bowl. That's okay. against a Power Five opponent. I so like Cheez Its. And, think, and do like you Cheez think Cheez Its are part of the media gift there? Uh, oh, probably. That'd be great. I like, would imagine. Like so. if I just got a big box of Cheez Its, that would be great. Like I don't like sometimes they give you like a watch and they're kind of crappy. Yeah. But like you know, like some limited Cheez edition Cheez Its. Yeah, why not? Well, it's funny because uh, the Mountain West <laughs> basketball tournament used to be sponsored by Reese's. Okay. Or Reese's. Did they give out peanut butter? There cups? was none of them, and people were very upset. They're like, "Well, what is this sponsorship worth if I can't cups? get the free peanut butter cups <laughs> in the media room?" Uh, so hopefully, if they do go to the Cheez It Bowl, uh, the Cheez Its are a plenty. Uh, side note on Tony Sanchez. I blame UNLV pulling out those old school U of UN helmets that I was all fired up on yeah. earlier this year. I blame that uh, for, for on their the demise. Two and seven yeah, they shouldn't have done it. Did I they even them. wear I just, those? I don't ever? know. Actually, I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe they're saving them they're, for the Nevada game. Oh man, don't say that. <laughs> don't don't make me go on that rant again. You get me in trouble. All right. Uh, given how the last two games have gone with Norvell play calling, 
Uh, how does this kind of play out with the future of the OC position? I'm going to address this first because I, I think it's overblown for fans to look at the situation about a winning two games and saying, oh, it's because of the play calling. I don't really think, to me, I don't think it's been any sort of difference to say, like, this is why Nevada is winning all of a sudden because Jay Norvell is calling the plays and not Matt Mummy. I, 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 I kind of call BS on that. Yeah, I mean, they scored 21 points against New Mexico. New Mexico is giving up, on average, 36 points per game. Right. So I would say that was an underachieving offensive performance. Now, they go into San Diego State, and 17 points against San Diego State is good. San Diego State's given up 15 points per game. Mm -hmm. But they also only had about 230 yards. They had 29 rushing yards on 28 attempts. The offense still struggled. Now, they made some big plays. They were better in the red zone, which is key. Uh, but Nevada won its last two games because they held New Mexico to 10 points and they held San Diego State to 13 points. It's been the defense leading those uh, charges. And I think part of that is, is Jay Norvell is saying, I just don't want my offense to screw this up. Yeah. My defense is getting better. I don't want to turn the ball over. We'll play field position. We have a good punter in Quentin Conaway. So there maybe has been a little bit of a philosophical difference there. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't read too much into Nevada's on this streak, this two-game winning streak, because of that change. Now, what does that mean in the future? I just think Nevada needs to figure out what does it want to do on offense? What's the identity? And then you match the personnel, the play calling, the coordinator, the position coaches, all in that line. And I think Nevada wants to go a little bit away from the true air raid, and they want to be a more physical ground team. And that's fine, but is Matt Mummy your offensive coordinator if that's what you want your offense to be? That's what Jay Norvell is going to have to uh, answer this offseason. I think Matt Mummy is a very good coach, yeah. but if it doesn't align with what you want to do offensively, then that's the decision. All right, G. Woods, F. Bay, Dom, Peterson, Sam Hammond have been wrecking havoc in the backfield the last two games. What's the potential for this duo, and who would you rank as the all-time Nevada D-line duo? Yeah, well, I mean, they were fabulous. I mean, I think they were the most important part of the win. I, I think not only holding San Diego State's run defense down, but getting a lot of pressure on Ryan Agnew, which helped the secondary out. But I wouldn't put them in my top, you know, uh, defensive lineman uh, duos because of one or two solid games. I think, to me, it's Dante Moak and Kevin Baspin. So everybody knows Dante Moak, uh, all-time leader for Nevada in tackles for loss, second in sacks, uh, you know, an absolutely phenomenal player as a third-round pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. Kevin Baspin was probably even better. He left after his junior season to go to the pros because he had a degenerative knee condition and he tried to cash in, uh, spent some time with the Jets, never played in an NFL game. Those two guys were absolutely amazing. And I'll also throw in Charles Mann and quote unquote, whoever he played with, because Charles Mann is a fringe NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, so I'm sure whoever he played with was good as well. <laughs> carry uh, but those are probably my top two duos. All right, Scott Walquist, who would win a game? Lindsey Drew's freshman year team or Lindsey Drew's senior year team. I'm going to go freshman year team yeah. because of the athleticism of Cam Oliver. Mm -hmm. I mean, he still, to me, is, is probably, in terms of just pure athleticism, probably the most athletic guy I've seen since I've covered a bas Nevada basketball uh, over the last seven years. Um, but I do think they're, they would match up pretty interestingly against each other because they're similar in the fact that they are, are kind of scrappy. I think eventually they'll be more – both were kind of defense-oriented teams. Mm -hmm. uh, both are playing a lot of freshmen. This, this current Nevada team is playing quite a few freshmen. That team, I think, relied more on their freshmen, which maybe would be a challenge against yeah. – this is probably a more experienced team, but where do you see it? I mean, that team couldn't shoot. Like, they mm -hmm. developed some shooting over the years, but when they were playing that year, they did not have three-point shooters. DJ Fenner couldn't make threes. Marquise Coleman struggled to make threes. Tyron Criswell had a hitch in his shot and wasn't making threes. Cam Oliver didn't develop a three-point shot. Lindsey Drew didn't take a lot of threes. Uh, so you have to imagine what they were during that season and right. not what they became. Right. I would still take that team, though, the freshman year team, because Cam Oliver would be a big problem for this front court. You have Tyron Criswell, who would also would be a problem for this front Just court. the junkyard dog, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mentioned Fenner. I mentioned... 
uh, you know, Coleman, I mentioned Drew. These are all talented players as well. I think it would be a fairly close matchup, but I do favor that team. And it would be fun to have the coaching matchup yeah. between Steve Alford and Eric Musselman going against each other. But I do favor the, the freshman year team by a little. All right, at Envy Josh, odds Drew gets a triple-double this season. And how many have there been in Nevada history? Uh, there's been five. The last one in 1979 by wow. Johnny High. So it's been a long, long time. Uh, I think I put it somewhere around like 15%. I okay. mean, he's never even had a double-digit assist game. So that's only one-third of the equation. Yeah. He's only had four double-digit rebounds. He had seven, so that was close, yeah. but still three So away. it's very difficult to do. He yeah. has gotten close a couple of times. San Diego State, the, the game before he tore his uh, Achilles, he was very, very close. Uh, so it could happen, but I wouldn't put my money on it. But, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time, and all five of them came in the 1970s, so they may have had a favorable scorekeeper back then. I'm going to go 40%, and I'm going to call my shot right now and say that Lindsey Drew this year gets a triple-double. Against Lock which team? I'm not going to really call your shot. No, uh, <laughs> I can't do that. Just say Boise State. Um, we'll bring it back. Fordham. <laughs> it's going to be in the Virgin Islands. <laughs> okay, when, that's nice. When, uh, when they're in St. Thomas. Maybe. Okay, how about that? One of those three games? Okay, that, I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you the, the three-game period. All right, so the two sides of this, if he still gets a triple-double, I get credit. Though, yes, right? you do. All right, but well, I get extra double. credit. Oh, extra credit. All right, all right. All right, Blake Crack, uh, before we go, if you could put a musical festival together, where would you hold it? Mm -hmm. And who would your headliners be? We probably don't have a chance. We can't go into the full thing. You can okay. read that online. But let's go where uh, and who are the headlines? Uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater. Nice. So that's outside of Denver. Uh, limited seats, obviously. Okay. And then my three headliners, I got a three-day act. So I got Rage Against the Machine, who is just reunited. I have Outkast. Damn. Uh, and then I have Pearl Jam, which is my favorite band for, for number three. And then my food is the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, which I have actually really? not eaten. Like nothing but Popeye's chicken yeah. sandwiches? But people are literally getting in fistfights <laughs> over this. So I imagine it's very good. This would be like some, some like Rage Against the Machine, like mosh pits <laughs> yeah. and like fried chicken sandwiches. Yeah, sounds good. That's the Chris Murray Music Festival <laughs> coming to a city near you. All right, that's it for this week's Murray's Mailbag. I'll be right back with more of NSN Daily just after a quick break. All right, back here on NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group, Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, uh, Brian Smudio back with you tomorrow. Uh, taking a look at Nevada football, and this was uh, really just a disappointing thing to see despite the, the big Nevada win, the end of Caleb Fossum's career. Caleb on Twitter Tuesday night released this saying, due to injury I suffered last game in my college career has come to an end. I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and God makes no mistakes. I'm excited to watch this team finish the season strong. I'm not done with this game yet. To be continued. Uh, disappointing. I mean, this is just such a quality kid. Mm -hmm. uh, Caleb came over from Washington State a couple years ago. He immediately suffered an injury on his first season. Had to miss that year. And uh, he hasn't uh, been able, I think, to, to play the way he wanted to over the course of his career. But I think he's one of those guys that has made an impact uh, with his personality. He was a team captain on this club and, and you know, somebody that's really beloved in that locker room. That's, that's going to be a big miss for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it seems to be a captain's curse this year. I mean, you have Lucas Weber breaks his ankle. He's out for the rest of the, the career. Uh, Caleb Fossum, obviously, with his shoulder injury and his college career ends. And then you have Kelton Moore, a third captain who's missed the last three games with a, an ankle injury. So the captains have just been cursed. But, uh, you know, Caleb did go through a lot of difficulties here. He had the torn uh, knee ligament uh, in his first game 
game at Northwestern uh, in the bowl game last year. He has broken ribs and a punctured lung. So this is a really tough kid, but I, I don't think he would have any regrets coming to Nevada at Washington State. He was a walk-on. He was a, kind of a special teams player. He was their holder. He did some punt returns, but he was able to see what he was made of as a slot receiver, and he had a really, really good year last year. Maybe not able to match those numbers this season, uh, but clearly he says he's not done with his career overall. Wants to try and give it a go for the NFL. Nevada will have a pro day coming up. Might even be able to take part in Washington State's pro day if mm -hmm. there are some more scouts up there. So, uh, yeah, just always sad when you see a senior season uh, end in this kind of a fashion. They always say you never know when your last play is going to come. Uh, but for a couple of Nevada players, their last play has come far before when they thought it was going to happen. And now when you look at Nevada moving forward, who kind of steps up into yeah. his role? Dominic Christian has had a pretty good season out of the slot. And, and Elijah Cooks maybe moves into the slot a little bit more. But I think the guy is Ben Putman. I yeah. mean, he had a season-high four catches against San Diego State. Uh, we obviously saw what he could do in the bowl game last year against Arkansas State. So uh, I think he's going to play a much bigger role over these next couple of games. And, and hopefully there isn't a big drop-off in the slot for Nevada. Do you expect Caleb Fossum to stick around with the team and, and finish out? the year and be on the sidelines and still be kind of that vocal uh, captain and still be a leader of this team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he loves the game. This guy absolutely loves athletics. He loves football. Uh, you know, tried out and was on the, the Wolfpack baseball team for a little bit. I wonder, could, uh, could, could he have eligibility <laughs> left to play baseball? Yeah, perhaps. Um, maybe his career is yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that is the more to come. <laughs> there you go. But it was his left shoulder, so that's probably not the greatest thing because he is a left-handed pitcher. Okay. Uh, so that, that's not the right shoulder uh, in terms of his baseball career yeah. moving forward. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to finish out school. I'm sure he'll be with the team. He'll want to be there for the UNLV game and all of that kind of stuff for the bowl experience. If they do go to a bowl, I'm sure he's going to want to go on the trip. So uh, I think he'll still be a familiar face. I mean, he was out at Tuesday's practice in the sling as well. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll still be attached to the team and trying to help them in any way he can, even though he can't take uh, part on the field. Well, back in the middle of their bye week, uh, what's kind of going on? With the program right now how are they utilizing this time to uh, freshen up or just what's the team kind of protocol right now at this point? Yeah, I mean, they rest up a little bit. They usually do a scout team bowl game kind of uh, on Thursdays of uh, bye week. So you have the guys who are redshirting get a chance to go out and play an actual game. So you're going to see guys like Hamish McClure, or Caden Bennett, or Austin Kirksey, uh, you know, go out there and play football because they don't get to do that a lot, uh, you know, during the week. Uh, and then they'll go out recruiting. I mean, it's obviously a very big recruiting period. They usually fly out Thursday night and they do it Friday. They go see some games with the December signing period which uh, came into effect a couple of years ago, it's really, really important to get these guys wrapped up, uh, you know, can fully committed before that December period arrives. And uh, one local guy they might be taking a look at is Vicajo as he plays in the playoff game for Bishop Minogue, and he's kind of deciding between Nevada, Colorado, and Tennessee. So they'll be out on the recru uh, road recruiting, and obviously they get an extra week to prepare for Fresno State, and they'll, they'll be able to watch that game Friday night, San Diego State against Fresno State, and get a better feel for what they're going to be seeing when they play in two weeks. Uh, for those of you who are interested in going to that last game against UNLV, battle for the Fremont Cannon on the, the Saturday of Thanksgiving. New uh, kickoff, there actually is a $29 ticket deal. Ticket to the game, you get a hot dog, a souvenir cup with a soda <laughs> included and all of that, just 29 bucks. So head over to NevadaWolfPack.com if you want to head out there. Hope to have a big game uh, for Nevada as they take on UNLV. And hopefully the Cannon looks like that. <laughs> yeah, the Cannon looking right yeah, Hopefully that's now. part of the $29 is you get a blue Cannon. There you go. <laughs> Help uh, support the blue cannon, and hopefully we're, you know, it was a fun time last time. We did a story on the, the cannon being painted yeah. from red to blue. That's the best thing, that if you do lose it, at least you get the painted. It's like a fun whole deal, process. right? So I think if Nevada could reclaim it here in the north, that would be uh, just a nice cherry on top uh, for the season for Jay Norvell and this fan base. All right, more to come here on NSN Daily. It's high school signing day around the area, and a couple of local uh, girls volleyball players from Damani Ranch are heading to the University of Nevada. We'll check in with them next.
Some folks signing their letters of intent around northern Nevada today and including in that, Chris, a couple Damani Ranch volleyball players. They're going to stay home here in the 775. Alyssa Zuro and Lexi Applebach will play for the Wolfpack. Pretty neat to see them stay home. Yeah, I mean, Nevada signed a local two classes ago and a McQueen High graduate, Kayla Spavik. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, good to keep those local kids home. And I think in volleyball, uh, Nevada's done a really good job of, of developing Division One talent. So to be able to keep those players in silver and blue, and I'm sure Nevada, the way they're playing this season, has been very helpful in that uh, pitch that you can actually come here, be successful. They're building something back up. So, uh, you know, great to see uh, that program be able to send a couple of kids uh, up a little bit north to campus. Uh, one of our... Producer, photographers, social media, uh, what, what's, what would be the word? Social media experts. Uh, uh, sure. Social media guru. Guru. Social media <laughs> guru. Kenzie Bales uh, caught up with the two uh, shortly, just a while ago, over at Damani Ranch High School. How exciting is it that you get to suit up for your hometown team? It's so exciting. It's the biggest thing I've ever done, and I'm super excited for it. Why did you choose Nevada? Because the environment's so great. The team is so nice. Every girl is super great. And I'm just, just super great. It's, it's crazy. I'm, I can't wait. It's super exciting. And I've learned so much here, and I've grown so much as a person. I'm super excited. I'm here at home so my family can come watch. And it's really exciting. What made you choose Nevada? The environment there was super friendly. The school is great. The campus is beautiful. I just loved everything about it. All right, there you have it, heading to play for Lee Nelson. Uh, what a great year this has been for Nevada Volleyball. Yeah. This has been his best year. Uh, they got back to 500 with a win over Air Force this weekend. Uh, like you were saying yesterday, it's too bad there isn't a, a tournament yeah. in the Mountain West because, you know, maybe they could make a run in that. Yeah, I mean, it is really disappointing. Really, you look across the landscape of the Mountain West, it's just softball and volleyball where they don't have conference tournaments to be able to play your way into an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. That might be changing in the future. Hopefully it does change in the future because I think it would be great to have that opportunity to play in the postseason, even if it's not in the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, I think it's something that the players deserve. I mean, Colorado State is such a beast. They've only lost one match this entire season. That It's probably unlikely anybody yeah. would beat them in that situation, but at least let that play out. Let them have that opportunity, and maybe the Mountain West is able to get mm -hmm. two or three teams into the big dance rather than just one. Nevada will host uh, signing a press conference later today. We'll have that for you on the show Thursday. Uh, but one of the, the teams, Nevada women's basketball, they're going to announce a local as well that's going to stay uh, and play for the Wolfpack. Yeah, Bishop Ano guard Kenna Holt. Uh, she's had two older sisters who have both played for Cal Poly. Kenna decided to stay here at Nevada, and that's a really big thing. It's been a couple of years since Nevada's been able to sign a local player, and she, uh, a great player last year as a junior, 17.7 rebounds, 3.5 steals, 3.5 assists per game. So uh, really good, again, to be able to keep those locals at home, and she's had a ton of success at Bishop Minogue, a number of uh, you know Sierra League championships, three in her first three seasons. So uh, a very talented player and somebody I think you could see stepping in as a freshman and getting some solid minutes next year. All right, one more segment here on NSN Daily today. Colin Kaepernick working out for all 32 teams. Will he get a job back? And the second question, Gabe Kapler, new mm -hmm. manager of the San Francisco Giants. Will he dethrone the Los Angeles Dodgers? No. Maybe. <laughs> Next. All right, before we go here this afternoon on NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group, a uh, couple Final little deals to talk about. Colin Kaepernick mm -hmm. is holding a workout in front of all 32 NFL teams. They're going to interview him. They're going to videotape him. Will he finally 
return and get a job. I, I feel like this is kind of a PR stunt for the NFL to show that they actually want Kaepernick back in the league. But like, why that, now? If though? that were the, and why on a Saturday? Yeah, why now? It's just, it's kind of bizarre. Teams are going to be traveling to their games on Sunday. I guess Kaepernick's group asked, can we do this on a Tuesday, which is a traditional off day for NFL teams, and they said, no, it's this Saturday. Yeah, like, why? And they were like, okay, can we do it maybe two Saturdays from now so teams have time to prepare and not give them two days' notice? So I'm kind of curious what the NFL's angle is here. And they, they already uh, settled with Kaepernick. Yeah. Like, what's the point of even doing this? If and it's kind of late in the season, yeah. so it's like, what is he going to do this year? I mean, I think it's always a good opportunity, but I also feel like it's a little bit degrading to him. I mean, why does he need to showcase his skills? The last time he was in the NFL, he finished 16th in the NFL in quarterback rating. He had 16 touchdowns against four interceptions, which is a tremendous touchdown to interception rate. Now, yeah, maybe he has a little bit of rust and people want to see him, but it just seems like, uh, you know, it could have been handled a little bit differently if the NFL actually wanted Kaepernick to be on an NFL team. It did feel like it just came out of nowhere, but it's always a good chance when you get to, you know, to get in front of NFL teams. And he says he's been training five days a week, uh, really, really hard, three hours a day. And, and he'll get to show off his skills, and uh, we'll see if an NFL team bites. I, I don't think it will. I mean, uh, I it's hope been so. so long. Oh, yeah, I, I hope, hope it so, does. too. But, you're, I mean, it just it smells funny. Mm -hmm. It smells funny. The NFL has a lot of stuff that smells funny, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's right. certainly deserving. Yeah. And will a team bite uh, this late in the season? Yeah. Maybe if they did it in the offseason. But this is a guy who is one of the, to me, yeah. 32 best quarterbacks in the entire world. Right. Uh, he deserves to be on a team at minimum 100%. and probably starting for a team. And I, I think the, the whole um, – you know, all the controversy, I feel like enough time has passed. Yeah. Like, just let it go. Let, it, let the guy play football and, and you know, kind of go from there. Uh, San Francisco Giants have announced manager Gabe Kapler to replace uh, Bruce Bochy. Kapler recently serving as manager of the Phillies, one of those kind of guys that went straight from playing a little bit of time in the front office, but mm -hmm. very little actual manager experience before he went to the Phillies. Didn't work out there, uh, but he's reunited uh, with uh, now new Giants uh, GM uh, Zier Farid, 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 I can't Farid say I can't say yeah I, it was funny to me watching the uh, Giants post that on Twitter and the reactions below I'm I think like, every boo. single Giants fan absolutely hates this hire <laughs> and I could see to some degree I mean some of the other candidates were Ron Wotus who's the third base yep. coach for the Giants they for see all three World the Series yeah Henley Mullins who was uh, you know the yep. bench coach for all three World Series so mm -hmm. this looks like okay you have Farhan Zadi who is a Dodger alum he was yep. the general manager of the Dodgers hiring Gabe Kapler who got his break into the front office with the Dodgers uh, so I think it's like okay these guys are buddies well yeah I mean you want to hire somebody who thinks the exact all, this same is always way how it goes think. a GM is always going to hire a coach that he yeah. wants that it's, he's going to hire one of his guys mm -hmm. and that's look if the Giants are Giants are upset over this then they shouldn't have hired him to be the GM and Absolutely. you stick with what you've got and then yeah you stay in the family but it seems like this organization wants to get a clean start and if you do that I understand that you do kind of have to go and get a different uh, manager, do I love the move? Not really. Um, but if, if this is the move you're going to go with a general manager, you have to let him do his thing and let it play out and and try and kind of give some respect to that and see if yeah. it works before just assuming ah, I don't like this or whatever. Let's give this guy a chance to do what he does, and, and if it doesn't work out, then you make a change. Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to keep it with the family, they wouldn't have moved on from Brian Sabian and Bobby right. Evans. They right. needed a fresh start to rebuild this thing. It was a great run where they got three World Series in five years, but this thing had bottomed out, and they mm -hmm. need to get back to contention. They need to be a little bit more analytical thinking, and I think the good news is the manager in baseball actually doesn't do a ton mm -hmm. in terms of if you're comparing him to an NBA head coach right. or an NFL head coach. Uh, it really comes down to the players, and uh, you know, watching Farhan Zadi with the Dodgers, He's a very good baseball man. He's a very smart baseball man. He was Billy Bean's number two with the A's when the A's were always overachieving. He's going to get this thing turned around. If you're a fan, though, are you happy with uh, the amount of time it's going to take? 
and are you happy with it being a former Dodger and being done in an analytical way? But uh, yeah, I mean, the higher, uh, if they win, everyone will be happy. If they lose, everybody will, will be mad. But that will come down to the players. Not so the you don't Dodgers. think the Dodgers are immediately being unseated by this? No, probably not. not. I not think yet. they're solid. All right. All right, we can only hope. <laughs> All right, that's it for NSN Daily today. Thanks to Corey Herzog for being here. He's Chris. I'm Alex. We'll see you tomorrow.